Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show from Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show Budget Special. In today's programme, tax changes. All the pre-announced new rates have been confirmed, so what should you do before the end of the tax year? Stamp duty and mortgages, little help for first-time buyers, but will long-term fixed-rate mortgages make any difference? Tax-efficient investing, capital gains tax taper relief is going, but do enterprise investment schemes offer a way out? And we have some good news and bad news on alcohol and tobacco taxes. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these budget measures in downloadable form with the help of my colleague from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. Steve, so let's start with the, um, the budget tax changes. Um, there was nothing terribly new in this budget. All of the allowances, I think, went up broadly in line with inflation, and the, the, mm. the new basic rate of income tax had already been announced. Um, but with the new 18% flat rate of capital gains tax being confirmed uh, in the budget and no further concessions being made for people who used to pay just 10% capital gains tax under taper relief, is there anything people can do before this new rate comes in on April the 6th? Well, Matthew, I mean, it's worth pointing out there are winners and losers, as we know. This has been a really criticised reform. The Chancellor has made one concession, but that's really to entrepreneurs, the so-called entrepreneurs' relief, a million pound uh, tax-free allowance. So there are winners and losers, and the, the, the obvious losers are people whose tax rate's going to go up, people, as you rightly say, who are paying effectively 10% now are going to pay 18%. Those sorts of people could be AIM shareholders, people in SAYE schemes, some people with holiday lets, uh, lets holiday homes, farmers, and, and of course the entrepreneurs, the small business people you mentioned. But interestingly, it's not just those people who are facing a sort of headline increase in tax rates. It's also long-term holders. It could also be long-term holders of assets who've benefited from something called indexation allowance in the past. These are people who held assets back in the 80s through to almost the end of the 90s, um, who actually, uh, for, for whom the first 100% of gain was tax-free anyway. All very complicated, I know. It's to do with inflation, isn't it? It's it is due to inflation, basically right. Basically, um, so people don't pay tax on assets that have just risen in line with inflation. You only Absolutely. pay above inflation. It's a, it was a real gain that was taxable only during that period of 97. Then that was replaced by a taper reef. You know, Now you see why. Alice Darling, to be fair... 
wanted to simplify this because it's a god-awful complicated tax, as anyone who's ever had to fill in a tax return with capital gains tax calculations will know. So as, as a result, though, it's a, it's a bit of a double whammy. People are going to lose indexation mm. and other people are going to lose the taper relief that cut their tax rate to just 10%. Absolutely, yes. So, But the, they've got until the end of the tax year to do something. End of this tax year, yes, I know, April which is the 5th, three, three weeks. Three weeks away. Yeah, yeah. What can people do in three weeks? OK, obviously, you, you could just sell the assets. And, and take the hit. So you sell the asset. Don't forget there's also a, a personal allowance as well, £9,000 or so. Um, th- and that, that element of gain is automatically tax-free. So you could, you could just go into the market, sell your long-held shares. You could try and sell your property in three weeks. You could even try and sell your farm in three weeks if you really wanted to. A lot Obviously, harder, though. A lot harder with all those physical assets. Um, but even, even were you able to, if you say, if you want to sell a property, um, be aware, of course, that other people might be doing that and buyers may well be aware as well in this wheat market that you're trying to sell for the tax gain. So you could see the return of something called, you remember gazundering? Oh, where you, where you offer a much lower bid at the last minute. Yes, when you say you, you don't mean me, do you? Oh, I, well, I believe you have done this in the I past, have, but we yes. won't go into that now. Anyway, but even shares as well. I mean, um, AIM shares are a key uh, loser in all this, or, or holders of AIM shares. Now, they, of course, are typically smaller companies, more volatile shares. Um, you could see the selling pressure actually depress prices. And this is the problem that you could find yourself selling your sh- any shares into, as we already know, generally a poor market, but also potentially a thin market as well um, in, in the case of AIM shares and in case in, in, indeed in other shares if, if there was a big overhang. But, but let's say um, you don't want to sell either your AIM shares or your farm or your holiday let. Is there a way of keeping hold of these things but still not paying so much tax? There is. That's that's good news as well. I mean, there are all variations on something people may have heard of called bed and breakfasting, which has been around and has been changed. And this this is essentially where you sell an asset and you buy it back. Now, there are certain rules on bed and breakfasting with shares. You have well, you're bed and breakfasting. The standard rule now is you have to be out the market for 30 days. So you do incur a market risk. I sell my BP shares one day. I can't buy them back for 30 days and still register that. Uh, that 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 uh, crystallisation of the gain, and that's the point of bed and breakfasting, isn't it? It's to yeah. realise a gain and take advantage of indexation allowance. Exactly, exactly. Take, take advantage of a preferential tax position yeah. now, and and yeah, lock in your gains now. Potentially, hopefully, pay no gains. But there are some wheezes around this. Um, most obviously, bed and pensions, for example. Now, bed and pensions beat the thirty day rule, so you sell one day. Um, and that's the bed bid, and then you buy it back through your pension. Now, the good thing as well, before the end of the tax year, as, as the end of the tax year approaches, of course, is you, you, as a high-rate taxpayer, you're going to get income tax, uh, upfront income tax relief as well on that contribution. So, so you potentially, uh, it's, it's potentially a, a CGT saving or potentially no CGT, say, uh, no CGT bill, and you avoid the, the potential increase on the f- of the few, um, uh, under the new CGC regime, and you get income tax relief. Bed and spousing works broadly on the same principle, i.e. Um, you sell and your, your uh, spouse immediately buys back as well. Key advantages of both these things, of course, is you're not out the market, so there isn't that market, that 30-day market risk. Um, there are also more um, complicated transfers um, that people with 
property and farms may have been investigating already, often involving trusts and so on. So um, basically putting your property or your farm yeah, into, into exactly. trust. Yeah, the, the, whole, the whole aim being to take advantage of the current CGT position before the new CGT position comes in. And it does involve all sorts of things like indexation and all the rest of it. So it's all very complex. And that, and that of course, is where you probably will need expert advice as well. Yeah. And that's a further problem that with three weeks, you know, I spoke to an accountant uh, this week who said to me, you can't get a lawyer for love nor money. I said, I don't want an, uh, a lawyer for love. Um, I just want them to save my money. Um, yeah. But that literally could be a problem that mm. you might not be able to get the specialist advice um, at a price you find acceptable within the time frame. So it sounds like people are going to have to move fast and find a lawyer or an accountant very, very quickly, just three weeks to go. Um, and you can read uh, more about how to do this um, uh, in Steve's article on capital gains tax planning, which is in this week's FT Money in the Weekend FT on the 15th and 16th of March, and also online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also email us your uh, questions by uh, emailing money at ft.com. Still to come in our budget special, enterprise investment schemes. Are the tax breaks worth the risk? And we have some good news and bad news on the new SIN taxes. But first, the budget housing measures, or rather, the complete lack of them. Before this week, tax advisors and mortgage brokers were expecting changes to stamp duty land tax to help first-time buyers, and possibly higher stamp duty on million-pound houses. But all we actually got was a concession for shared ownership schemes and more consulting on the long-term fixed-rate mortgage market. So Charlene Goff of FT Money uh, joins us now. You've been looking at this, um, Charlene. Um, Not a lot in it for first-time buyers, it would seem. No, there really wasn't. And actually, um, in the days leading up to the budget, there was a real hope in the industry that they would do something to help first-time buyers by perhaps increasing the lowest uh, threshold for stamp duty. That didn't happen again, so it's still catching the vast majority of first-time buyers. Um, the only people who really benefited uh, from, from the budget were, as you say, sort of key workers and other people on lower incomes. Um, the government actually gave them... Uh, stamp duty exemption if they go on to one of the government approved shared ownership schemes which in themselves are quite restricted um, and they do not have to pay stamp duty unless they own more than 80% of the property so all quite complicated and really only for the real minority of buyers um, is, is there any good news well a good point and you, you make the point that it's only the government approved schemes yeah. that qualify for this because I mean there are other sorts of Um, shared ownership schemes, but if you go into one of those, you're not even going to get this exemption, are you? No, I mean, that's the thing. There's sort of different schemes that do different things. Um, Some of the new housing corporation schemes offer up to uh, 50% borrowing, which is quite helpful for people, you know, who haven't uh, got much of their own money to, to... pay into the property but then they don't qualify for the stamp duty uh, exemption so really I, I people have to sit down and work out very um go through very carefully and work out what they can get and what they can't and actually whether they want to live in any of these places at all so well exactly so it sounds like sort of giving with one hand and taking yeah. away with another um we did hear um something uh, again about uh, long-term fixed-rate mortgages. Yeah. Uh, all sounded very familiar. We've heard it many times before. Mm. What's, what's new this time round? 
Well, nothing really new. Um, the government, like you say, has been banging the drum on this for quite some time. Um, again, there's more consultation with the industry, with mortgage brokers, with the Council of Mortgage Lenders, people like that, to see whether these would be a viable option for the UK mortgage market. Um, the problem is with these long-term fixes, so these uh, are mortgages where you know what you'll be paying for the length of the mortgage, so 15 or 25 years, um, which gives some good security to borrowers, which is a good thing, but they're not that suitable for today's borrower whose situation might change, you know, People, if people got divorced, for instance, they could be and needed to um, pay up their mortgage, they would be hit by, you know, big early repayment charges. So they're, they're really very inflexible, these mortgages. And also if um, interest rates come down, you could be locked into higher rates on one of these and you could get on a short-term fix. So really, for this to be viable, we're thinking that there would have to be changed quite radically, um, made a lot more flexible, got rid of some of these charges and then maybe they could be inc included into the market. Yeah, but until then, I think we all like our, our, all like our two-year fixes, don't well, we? Well, that's it, yeah. That's, that's the thing. And for more on uh, property and mortgages, uh, you can read Charlene's article in FT Money in the Weekend FT on the 15th and 16th of March. Coming up, we have good news and bad news on the sin taxes on alcohol and tobacco. Before that, though, tax relief on investment schemes. Film investment schemes have been effectively wiped out by new anti-avoidance measures announced in the budget. But enterprise investment schemes got a boost. So do these offer tax-saving opportunities? Well, we're joined now by John McLeod from Investors Chronicle. And, John, you've been following enterprise investment schemes for some years now. Um, what's the budget done to them? Well, the EIS scheme allows 20% income tax relief on new investments that are made each year per person. There's an annual limit on an investment that was 400000 but from April 6th, that's going to go up by 100000 to 500000 So a couple could contribute a million and save 20% income tax relief. Which is a, a very generous and, and useful tax break. Of course, some of the ventures, some of the, uh, the businesses that you can invest in are restricted under the rules for enterprise investment schemes. Have there been any changes there? Because of some European legislation, certain industries have been restricted. So shipbuilding, for instance, can't be invested in anymore, nor can the steel industry. That also applies to venture capital trusts, which are another kind of um, scheme that invests in early-stage companies. They used to be more popular than the EIS scheme, but now the EIS scheme has actually become more popular because of not only the income tax relief it offers, but the fact you can get IHT relief after two years and you can shelter unlimited capital gains by investing in EIS schemes. Well, you mentioned sheltering uh, capital gains by basically uh, reinvesting your gains in the enterprise investment scheme. Um, that presumably is going to look more attractive now as some people are going to be facing slightly higher capital gains tax bills in the next tax year, as, um, as Steve Lodge pointed out earlier in the programme. By investing in EIS schemes, you can shelter capital gains going back up to three years before the, the allotment of shares, or indeed a year forward, so people still have time to invest in the EIS, sell the shares, and potentially where, where they would have paid 18% under the new rules, they could just shelter that on gains that were made back under the old 10% rule. I suppose people who've got taxable gains at 40% can also sort of roll their, their gains into, a, into an EIS and come out in the new 18% regime as well. So there's another tax-saving opportunity. They can certainly do that. I mean, the only risk is that exits are difficult. So if the, particularly in the aim market, if that's having a rocky time, IPOs could be, be hard to achieve. But trade sales are another big exit route for the EIS. But 
in theory, it's great because you can sell the shares in tranches and use your CGT loans, which is going up to 9,600. But timing of the exits is a difficult thing, so it, it won't necessarily work as smoothly as you'd like it to. As, and as you point out, exiting from some of these you know, small you know, start-up ventures can be quite difficult because um, it's, not, it's not as straightforward as just selling shares on an exchange. Sometimes the business needs to be bought by another trade buyer. I mean, if you go into a fund or portfolio, the managers there will probably try and help smooth things along. Doing it on an individual level could be more risky, and there may be no way of getting your money back. And, of course, the company might fall, so you might get the CGT relief, but then lose the entire investment. But even so, um, do you think that the budget measures announced this week, this, this increased annual investment allowance to half a million pounds, is going to be a further boost to enterprise investment schemes? I think particularly with the growth of funds, it used to be on a more of an ad hoc basis where you invest in single companies. But it's a big market and there's also the business angel market where retired entrepreneurs then reinvest in companies and sit on boards. They can also qualify for that relief, although I suppose they tend to be investing larger sums anyway. Well, it sounds like there is at least some good news for investors um, in this budget. And if you'd like to know more about enterprise investment schemes, you can read all of John's articles on the subject at www.investorschronicle.co. And finally today, it's good news, bad news on the new budget sin taxes on alcohol and tobacco. Um, Steve, um, I'm not suggesting that you're uh, a sinner uh, at all, but uh, some of these tax increases are going to hit people quite hard, aren't they? I guess they are, Matthew, yes. Um, Although, to be fair to Alice Darling, as he said, the real price of wine has actually fallen. So um, the the key thing is the competitiveness in the booze market, really, I think, as we we all know. So, uh, you know, if you're a supermarket shopper, there will be uh, saddos like me nipping down to my supermarket before the price rises come in. Um, but, uh, but yes, there are significant increases and no doubt will feed through into um, to ever higher pub prices. Well, I'm sure you need to get down to the supermarket fairly quickly, but there does appear to be some good news in this, in that um, some research has been done by um, Prue Protects, the, uh, uh, the life insurance and serious illness insurance provider, which uh, uh, found out that with the increase in the price of cigarettes, mm. I think they're going up 11p's or taking them well over the sort of £5 mark, uh, nearly half of all smokers say that they will now consider giving up. Really? Yourself? Well, um, I was a sinner who repenteth and then, and then s- started, sinning, back into then started sinning again a, a, a good Catholic. Bit. And I'm going to, I'm, I, I intend to repent again very, very, very soon. Uh, and this is, very, this is you know, good news for, for me. And apparently, uh, you know, my life insurance uh, premiums are going to go down as a result, according to these insurers. Well, yes, but you'll remember we, we did a podcast a few months back, of course. Now, if you carried on puffing away, you would get a big fat annuity. Well, I'm hoping that I'll get both, because I reckon I've done enough to qualify for the annuity. Um, but I might be able to sort of, you know, pass myself off, uh, you know, as some sort of uh, um, you know, repenting sinner in terms of life insurance. So surely uh, I win here. Well, your parents will be happy anyway. Well, yes, and uh, they'll be listening as well. So I better not say any more on the subject. <laughs> uh, and so I've decided that's all we've got time for in this week's FT Money Show budget special. And remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com, and we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Steve and John. Goodbye.
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.